Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Book of Romans, Lesson 1, entitled, An Introduction. Hello, welcome back to our midweek study. Hope everything is going for you great this January is where we find ourselves. Uh, you may be picking it up some other time uh, later on, and it uh, doesn't matter. Uh, here we are, January 2023, uh, changing gears here, or changing books, I should say. We ended last time uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, which we were in for over quite a bit over a year. And I also told you last time we're going to be going into the book of 2 Corinthians, but I'm going to change that. We're actually going to be stepping backwards, uh, only in the order of the books, that is, uh, backwards into Romans, the previous book to, to 1 Corinthians. A uh, number of reasons for that. One of them is because the notes that I had prepared, I cannot find, uh, just to be honest with you. And so I would rather be prepared for that, but also because uh, I believe in providence, and so God, uh, whatever happened to those notes, uh, I did come across my, my, a lot of research that I've done in the book of Romans, and I absolutely love Romans. And interestingly enough, the cr- connection between the Corinthian church and the Roman church is that while Paul was serving in the Corinthian church, he writes the letter uh, to the Romans, planning to go there someday. And he introduces himself. Part of the purpose of the book of Romans is to introduce himself, his theology, and uh, to this church, and also to, to instruct them, to impart to them wisdom as he uses, as he says there in his, as part of his introduction. So we're going to be in the book of Romans. Uh, what an incredible book, starting a study today in that book. And talk about a document that has shaped human history, especially Western culture. You know that it is really, you could put at the feet of the book of Romans, if it had feet, the whole civilization of the Western culture, especially, especially these United States. Why do I say that? Because history demonstrates that. There was a guy, a German Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther, and uh, with his doctorate degree in theology, very much uh, wanted forgiveness from God, but didn't feel like he had forgiveness from God, very much was in fearful of judgment, and from his works theology, he believed that he had to be good enough to go to heaven. He couldn't see how he would ever be that, and so he just continued to educate himself and and uh, grow his, uh, uh, his acumen of, of religious uh, teachings and understanding. He got a doctorate degree, like I said, in theology from Roman Catholic Seminary. And uh, in, in the middle of all this and his struggle with his own sin, uh, only saw God as this angry tyrant waiting to toss him into hell, uh, he's asked to give a series of lectures on the book of Romans. And, uh, of course, he's capable of that, and uh, he proceeds in that direction. He begins to preach and teach in this series of lectures, and as he's working his way through the book of Romans, comes to Romans chapter 3, verse 28, where he reads something, not, not for the first time, but understands what it's saying for the first time, and it floors him. Romans 3, 28 says, Man is justified by faith alone, apart from works. That was foreign to his theology, foreign to the Catholic uh, teaching of the day. Mankind justified himself by being a good person, but, but he was bouncing that up against his understanding of the rest of Scripture. Then why did Jesus die if I have to justify myself? And if Jesus justified me, why do I have to do all these good works? And, and how does that make, how do I earn heaven when the Scripture says Jesus has earned heaven? And anyway, wrestling with these issues, he continues to lecture on and still not sure of where he stands with heaven and with God, and he comes to uh, Romans chapter 5, in particular verse 1, 
where it says this. <coughs> Excuse me. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. <coughs> Goodness. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Since we've been justified by faith, there it is again, not by works, not by good deeds, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the one thing he never felt he had. Never peace with God. Only God was going to judge him for his sins. He was very, very aware of his sins and the things that he had done and very repentant of those things, but at the same time didn't understand how he couldn't, he, he thought he had to do enough good to make up for the bad that he had done. He didn't understand why, you know, what was the, what was the, what was the, the link of, of Jesus. And so, so he began to read this and began to realize, no, it's not our faith in our stuff, what we've done. It's our faith in Jesus's, what he's done. Not in all of our works, but in the single work of Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection to prove that he is the Savior. And the light began to come on for him. This Catholic priest, this man steeped in Catholic doctrine of the day, of only work saves you. And he began to realize through this revelation uh, that what salvation really was. Again, from the Scriptures, where does faith come from? By hearing the Word of God. In fact, Romans is going to tell us that. And here was his own words as he began to transform. He says, I felt myself to be, here's Roman, Roman Luther's own words. I felt myself to be reborn. The, the whole of Scripture after this experience took on a whole new meaning to me. And this passage of Paul's became to me the gateway of heaven. And uh, if you know Martin Luther, you know he becomes the founder of uh, Lutheran Church, which was uh, first of all German and then spread all over, all over Europe. But uh, the, the classic uh, teaching of the Lutheran Church was faith alone in Christ alone, not works, not indulgences, not doing repetitious prayers and, and uh, saying, having the priest say mass over your, your dead body once you're gone and all these other things and all the seven pillars of the, of the cow. All, none of that, none of that saves us. Faith alone, in Christ alone. And again, like I said, if you know your history, you know he sparked a movement that later came to be called the Protestant Reformation. Uh, these protesting against the, the fallacies and the horrible atrocities, honestly, and the pure corruption that was in Rome at that time, and uh, began to turn to the Scriptures. In fact, out of, the Roman, out of the Reformation comes the printing press, and the first book they print was the Bible in the people's language. It had never been that way. No one possessed their own Bibles. They were all locked in the pulpits in the Roman Catholic Church. No one had a way to cross-reference anything. And so this bred this massive movement of people coming truly to faith in Christ and uh, in, in the long run trying to escape persecution in their motherland, whether it be France or England or Germany or whatever, moved to a new world today, the United States. In order to be able to practice as pilgrims there, their faith as they understood it uh, from the Scriptures. And Martin Luther started all that, but what started it for him was the lecture on the book of Romans. We're going to be lecturing on the book of Romans here together and expecting no less than God to be working in our lives and transforming us and uh, working to use this book as he has for centuries and centuries uh, to create conversion in the heart of people, to create change, 
to help us understand ourselves, to help us understand Him, to understand what we've been called to do, uh, the, the place of the church, the place of, of the Jewish nation, Israel, the, the place of missions, the place of, of the, the spiritual gifts, all these things. And so we're going to be seeing all these things as we make our track through this wonderful book for the next probably year or more, just like we did in 1 Corinthians. We'll be spending quite a bit of time here in the, in the book of Romans. So, so let's begin our time together with prayer, and then we'll jump into uh, an introduction. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Apostle Paul. We thank you, God, for a great man like Martin Luther, uh, who just simply by believing your word, in both cases, uh, these guys became catalysts for great change. And uh, the change wasn't due to them, necessarily. The change was due to your spirit working in their lives. I pray we'd be the same kind of surrendered saints today and always, so that whatever change you tend to use us for, We'd be completely available for that, Lord. We submit and commit this study to you, and we ask, God, that you be glorified in it, that the teaching of your word would, would bring conversion, would be, bring change, would bring humility, would bring repentance, would bring understanding that we've never had before. We believe, God, that you're able to do that, and we're trusting that you will. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So interesting, the story of Martin Luther, because it's a similar story, more or less, of the man who actually writes this book, the Apostle Paul, a man who suffered similar false teachings under this false doctrine of works theology. You can be good enough to go to heaven, which isn't true, and had to come to faith in Christ in complete conversion. And uh, converted, believing, and trusting Christ, this Apostle Paul, uh, some 25 years before the writing of this book. So probably 30 years this book is written, the book of Romans, some 30 years after the church starts in Jerusalem. Uh, he writes this book, this letter, while serving, as I said before, in Corinth. And he writes it to the Romans, whom he has never, as far as we know, he's never met that church for sure. Uh, of course, it's a large city and a small church, but, but he's never been to that church, and as far as we know, never been to that, to that city, but plans to go, believe that God's going to send him there, it doesn't quite turn out the way he thinks, that is in the sense of he does go, but he goes as a prisoner. That's not the way he planned, planned to travel there, but again, all, all, whatever God wishes and however, whichever way God directs, according to his, uh, Paul's own testimony, he's willing to take that. So, so the book of Romans stands as the most thorough explanation of how ruined we are in sin and how complete we can be made in Christ. It's the most, there's many explanations of the same thing all the way through the New Testament, but none more thorough than the book of Romans. And these doctrines and the place where they are explained here in the book of Romans is, is where we have to return on a regular basis. We have to return there or we lose our foundation. And what good is a house without a foundation, right? Uh, uh, the president of Princeton said, uh, well over 100 years ago. Princeton's not known for being a place of theology, but it used to be. Uh, Francis Patton. It's either back, back, back to the incarnate Christ and his atoning work, or it is on, on, on to atheism and despair. Of course, if you know the history of Princeton, uh, they chose the latter. But uh, we have a choice to make. We have to continue to go back to the, uh, uh, the work of Christ and his uh, atonement, his atoning work through his blood, or we're, we're, you can't stay the same. Can't stay static. static. So, so we're going to be returning to Romans because, as I said, we need to make sure our house has, has a great foundation. And Romans, of course, affords us that in every way. So, so let's begin uh, at the beginning. Romans chapter 1. 
verse 1. Again, unlike most of the letters that Paul writes, he writes to churches who he started. He baptized most of the members. He appointed the elders in most of the churches, Corinth and other Thessalonians, Ephesus, all these other books that he writes. But he writes to, Romans, to the Romans to a church that's already been established, and it wasn't established by him. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. We're only going to make one verse today because there's, he says a mouthful there, and I want us to consider because it tells us a lot about him and tells a lot about, about ourselves. So we begin at the beginning, at Paul introducing himself. He calls himself a bondservant. A bondservant was the lowest position in a Roman household, lowest position in a Jewish household for that matter. A bondservant was a person who was a servant, an indentured servant for life, by choice. They, they chose to serve this family forever. This was going to be uh, their house. They felt like they were a part of it. They were provided for there. They were protected there. They were cared for there. And they were happy to work and serve uh, their master there. Paul calls himself a, a bondservant of God. Uh, you might expect him, we might expect him to introduce himself in many other ways because he had other titles, in fact, very illustrious ones, apostle. He does call himself that, but not first. Uh, a pastor, he was that. A missionary, he was that. He was a church leader. He was a Roman citizen. That carried a lot of clout, especially now you're writing to the Roman people. Eh, you know, you might pull that out, but he doesn't do that. He, he, he says, first and foremost, I want you to understand that I'm a bondservant of God. Effectively, this is what he's saying. Uh, He's saying, what I want you to know first about me and foremost about me is that I belong to someone else. Of all the things I want you to know, this is the first thing. I belong to someone else. Can you say that? If you are a believer in Jesus, you should be saying that. In fact, that is not a position for just an Apostle Paul or a pastor, or a leader, that is the position psychologically, spiritually, positionally, in every way, of every saint. Every person who's placed their faith in Christ needs to know and needs to operate from the position of, the first thing you need to know about me is that I belong to someone else. I'm taken. I'm completely his. I was bought at a price. Right? We learned that in 1 Corinthians. You were bought at a price. You are no longer your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You're bought. You're, you're His. And, and I will just say this. You will not be able to be the Christian you're supposed to be until you get that mindset. Why was Paul so successful? Because he's telling you right there. First thing you need to know about me is that I belong to someone else. I belong to God. And so the things that I do, the places that I go, the words that I speak, the attitudes that I have are going to be directed by God. That is my focus. No matter what else happens, no matter who you think I am, what all these other accomplishments that I have, those aren't as important, as pivotal as the one thing that I belong to God. And again, I submit that to you. You have to be able to say that. And if you cannot say that, you will not be a successful Christian. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, that's a follower. You call yourself a follower of Jesus, let him deny himself. That's that's the position of a bondservant. I belong to someone else. I I don't have my own plans. I don't have my own goals. 
I, I don't set up something. We, we have, there's, there's such a backward thinking in Christianity today, and, it, and it's, it's summed up in, in sort of the way we, we tell people how to have faith in Christ. We, we say, accept Jesus into your life. Now, I understand when we say that what, kind of what we mean, but you understand what the world is thinking? That implies they had a life. They do not. Dead in your trespasses and sins, you have no life to invite Jesus into. No, Jesus is inviting you into his life, surrendering to him. He paid the price for you. Not just for your sins, but for every part of you. You belong to him. Coming to Christ is selling yourself permanently. And anything less than that is a misrepresentation of the scriptures. So, were you sold a different bill of goods? Listen to what I'm saying. Hear what the Apostle Paul has to say in the writings of the New Testament. It is a complete selling of yourself to God. This is where it starts. And if it didn't start that way for you, I can tell you why things aren't going right for you. Sell yourself. It's a mindset. First of all, it's an act. It's what it means to come to Christ. You're selling yourself because I have no way of saving myself. I'm selling myself to the Savior. Right? I mean, either you drown or he rescues you. Which will you pick? Because you've you got to sell out on the I can save myself in order for Jesus to save you. Have you done that? Have you done that? Because if you haven't, you can't call yourself saved. Rescued by Jesus. He's the Savior. It's not enough to know He's the Savior. You have to accept Him as Savior. Which means you've got to give up on saving yourself. Selling yourself to Him. Bond servant. A bond servant of Christ Jesus. First thing I want you to know, that I am a slave of Jesus. And by the way, you can be slave to something. Someone. Something. Slave to the world. Slave to the ways of the world. Slave to your own passions. Not a better place to be enslaved than to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mm, you. He says, come and take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My, my my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't say, come and don't do anything. Oh, no, you're serving him. But it's, he's yoked up with you, and it becomes a wonderful experience. That's what it means to walk with Christ and live the Christian life. So, so first, he says, you need to know about me is that I'm a bondservant. Second thing, he says, and an apostle. This means one who was sent. And Paul picks the order here because, like I said, this is key. Why was he so successful? Because this is key. I, I, I don't become anybody until I become everything, or Jesus has become everything to me. And then out of that comes whoever he wants me to be. But he gets to direct that. It isn't Jesus comes in and comes alongside you to, 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 to help you in the way that you've chosen. That is not Christianity. That is a false Christianity. There is no such thing. Jesus is master he is Lord, you are his servant, and he directs you. That is a successful Christian life. That's why Paul was effective. He could call himself one sent. Didn't send himself. He has the one, he is the one sent. It's the key to success of all ministry, not the least of which is Paul. So an apostle, a bondservant, an apostle, called, he goes on to say. Doesn't just send himself. He's been sent. I'm not doing this on my own. He's not writing this letter on his own inspiration. We have it recorded in the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit saw fit to direct him, called him. 
called him. How, how significant is that? I read a little ditty about an old, very old black preacher, wise in the ways of the Lord. And he was having this conversation with a much younger, uh, promising uh, pastor, preacher, uh, cocky, uh, sure of himself. Um, uh, the, the old wise black preacher listened to what he had to say, and then he had one question for this young preacher. He says, uh, was you sent or did you just went? He said. It didn't sound like this is a slave to Christ. It didn't sound like someone who was following the call of God. It felt like somebody who was trying to fulfill his own dreams. And uh, that is not what it's about. The Lordship of Jesus means he called you. Paul says, I've been called. I was sent. I didn't just went. I was sent. In the Old Testament, and here's how serious it is, in the Old Testament, a prophet who sent himself and spoke without God telling him to was executed. Yee. Wow. Paul was sent, and the fruits of his ministry demonstrate that truth uh, to us, certainly. So a bondservant, an apostle, called, and then another one, he says, separated or set apart to the gospel of God. And we cannot, God cannot work through us completely until we're completely set apart. Set apart from something before we can be set apart to something. Set apart from the world, from whatever we thought would save us, from running our own show, from our own life. Again, you must die to yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me, Jesus says. From myself, I first have to be set apart from before I can be set apart Two, I cannot take hold of Jesus and then hold on to whatever I think I'm going to do. It's either one is the Lord or the other one is. Either I'm expecting Jesus to follow along behind me or I am following along behind Jesus. Which is it? Which is it? Set apart from before I can be set apart to, but from always has to following it. What do I mean by that? Just, just being set apart from something and not set apart to Christ is not also, neither is it Christianity. It's not the Christian life. That's just religion. Religion has a lot of stuff you're supposed to be set from. I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't go there, and I don't think this, and I don't say that. If that's the description of your Christianity, uh, you're missing it. Paul could have said that before ever coming to Christ. Luther obviously could have said that. He did, in fact, say that. He had all kinds of things that he didn't do. All kind of restrictions on his life. That is just merely religion. If all that you're doing is being set, set apart from stuff. And you know better than they were. No, it's set apart from, yes. A lot of stuff I say no to. So that I can be set apart to. I say no to myself. I say no to what was going to save me. I say no to the directions I had and plans I had for my life. Goals I had. Dreams I had. It's not about me anymore. It's about his dreams now. Set apart from, in order to be set apart to. Because we have a lot of Christians who are big on the set apart from. You ask them what their Christianity is, and they'll tell you all kinds of stuff they don't do. And they're usually bitter people, grumpy old Christians. Because they've been set apart from stuff without being set apart to Christ, without taking hold of Jesus. Because hear me on this. Christianity is ultimately not about what we give up. It's all about what we gain have you understand that? Your focus becomes on what, what I have in Christ, not what I left. Of what, of what value is that in compared to Christ? It means nothing to me. 
Paul says, whatever was to my gain, I now consider a loss for the sake of knowing Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made like him in his death. I mean, that's the, everything is focused on Jesus. Gain, what we're gaining in him. Paul had gained so much in Christ, he didn't talk much about what the stuff that he'd left. Who cares about that? It's what you're gaining is what we're getting. That's the Christian life. And, and it's looking ahead, as, a, as like I said, as a bondservant, as one sent by God. Can you truly say that? I'm a bondservant of Christ, sent by God, into whatever status he has for you. Maybe it's just a dad. Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's a mom or an employee, uh, uh, a retired person. But can you truly say, God has me doing this? Or is this something that you're doing? Maybe you need to come back and regroup. What is this really about? What am I really about? Because the Christian life is not something that you direct. It's something you can say is possible, Paul, if, if you are saying it. No, I'm, I'm a bondservant of Jesus. I, I belong to someone else. And my life will demonstrate that. The decisions that I make, the directions that I go, that is what God's calling us to do. I hope you hear what God has to say today through the Romans. We're looking so, so much forward to the, the things we're going to gain through this wonderful book. So much to gain just in the first chapter. It's going to be, it's thick uh, in every way. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you have called us not into our, a life that is just has Jesus as uh, a co-pilot. That's not the Christian life. Christian life is you pulling us out of the grave spiritually and bringing us to your side. We take our yoke upon, your yoke upon us, and we follow you happily, gladly as your bondservants belonging to you forever, slaves to Christ instead of being slaves to the passions of this world and the things of this world and the things of the devil. Thank you so much, God, for calling us into life, out of death, into light, out of darkness. Thank you, God. We commit ourselves to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.